Morning, Skylark Church. I want to say a huge thank you to Pete and Nikki for the invitation to preach this morning. It's never taken for granted and it is great to be here again. Now I confessed to you last time I preached from here in my kitchen that I'm not loving this. And I'm still not, but I'm grateful this morning. I'm grateful that I have the freedom to preach in my kitchen and put it online without fear of persecution or prosecution. I'm grateful for our leaders who recognize and have sowed deep wisdom that reminds us that we are not defined by how well we can gather, but how well we are scattered in this moment. And I'm grateful that I can worship, whether through song or in silence, whether that's with bread and wine alongside my church community or fish and chips with my neighbor. I'm grateful that although I don't love this, I am loved by the one who is with me in all of this. Our new theme is Jesus, share him. And Nikki got us off to a great start last week. I'd encourage you to listen to that sermon. In fact, our messages dovetail so well. I'd actually encourage you, if you haven't heard it yet, to go and listen to that one before you listen to this one. It's fine, I'll just, I'll sit here and wait for you. Actually, that won't work. Uh, you should do that in your own time, but you should definitely do it because it was a brilliant message to start this thing. But if I'm really honest, I've struggled to connect with this one. Out of all the Jesus titles we've had this year, this is the one I was least excited about. The idea of sharing Jesus comes laden with baggage of people with megaphones shouting angrily on street corners or awkward conversations from my teens where I'd try to crowbar Jesus into chats with my friends in some vain attempt to share my faith with them and feel like a better Christian because I'd done it. It comes with centuries of baggage of crusades, missions, conferences and new techniques. It stirs up stories of stopping strangers in the street or approaching people without their invitation. And I find it can make me really uncomfortable. And I'm not alone in that discomfort. But please don't mishear me this morning. I appreciate and understand that for some of us, the street evangelism, the megaphones, the prayer ministry to strangers is incredibly important. More than that, I know that for some people watching, that may well be why they're watching because someone took the time and had the courage to walk up to them and share Jesus with them. So I am not suggesting that there is no place for it. But I do wonder if too often we have reduced sharing Jesus to an activity to be ticked off a list and as something we do. And in doing so, we've reduced it to an activity only for those who are comfortable in that type of activity. Now, often when I preach in church, I'll ask, should I go a step further? knowing that some of you will go, yes, do Matt, and others will begin to panic. But this morning, let me go a step further. I worry that when we reduce sharing Jesus to an activity that we do to other people, then we actually limit those we're willing to share Jesus with. We limit it to those who won't immediately switch off when we approach them. And so I came to this theme, not excited, but challenged, not bursting with a message, but humbled at the task of preaching a message on something I find difficult to engage with. But then I remembered the words of one of my favorite wise men. I've often quoted him before. He's someone whose advice I try to live by and someone who's probably taught me more about my discipleship than anyone else I know. And that is my six-year-old son. And as he once famously turned to me and said, sharing is rubbish. Now that needs some context. A few years ago, we were waiting for some friends to come around to our house with their child. And, and as my son and I chatted, I remember saying to him, and I remember today, son, 
I want to see your best sharing. Your friends coming round and, and I want you to share your toys and games with them. And he nodded and assured me that he absolutely would. And to his credit, he really did. He took them towards his playroom. He welcomed them uh, to play with all of his toys and games and they played beautifully together. After our friends left, I was speaking to my son and thanking him for how brilliant a job he'd done for sharing so beautifully. And he turned to me and like an only a child can said, it's okay, daddy, but sharing is rubbish. And I think he had a point. You see, I've discovered that as a parent, there are two types of sharing you have to become acquainted with. The first is playroom sharing, and the second is playground sharing. Now, playroom sharing happens in your home with your toys and your games. It's the one my son said was rubbish. And the reason I think that he has a point is because there's no real adult equivalent. Sure, I might invite you around to my house, I might welcome you in, open the door with a big smile and invite you to come into my home. But if you walked into my study, opened up my laptop and started doing a shop on my Sainsbury's account, I might think you've gone past a reasonable amount of sharing. I'm I might invite you to share in a meal. But if after dinner you got up, walked to the fridge and started making yourself another meal, I might think you've gone past a reasonable amount of sharing. But for my son, in playroom sharing, the expectation is he has to open the door and that everything in there has to be shared. And this type of sharing, whilst ultimately beautiful, can end up feeling a bit rubbish. Now, playground sharing is totally different. Playground sharing is what happens when you're in a neutral place, like a playground. The groups that tend to gather there are more random. The kids don't necessarily know each other. And even if they do, none of them own the playground. There's no sense of mine. Sure, you might have got there first or you might have been there longer than another child, but it's still not yours or theirs. If you've ever been to a playground with a child, you'll no doubt have seen how uh, before long they're finding ways to make space for each other and coming up with loads of new games together. Big kids look out for little kids. Shy kids are encouraged by loud kids and it can go wrong, but when it does, there's no one who has the ownership. This is no one's playground. And if you want to keep playing, you have to work it out. That's playground sharing. And I think for me, I've struggled with the concept of this theme. I've struggled to connect with the idea of share Jesus because the idea of sharing Jesus has so often been caught up in playroom sharing. Jesus is ours. And we're going to share him with other people on our terms, when we choose, how we choose. It's up to us to do the Jesus sharing because we are the Jesus people. We invite other people to our space or we choose the time and place on our terms. And sure, we might allow them to interact, to join in, to engage with whatever they like. But it's all within the carefully constructed boundaries of this being our space and us allowing them to share in it. We are the Jesus people, and only we get to decide when, where, and how Jesus will be shared. And I wonder if that's why sometimes sharing Jesus feels a bit rubbish. Because we're so convinced that Jesus is ours, that having to share him feels like an imposition. Like children worrying about their favourite toy. What if they break it? What if they try to take it away from us? What if they think it's silly or they think that we're silly for liking it? Or like adults, 
with expectations of the reasonable boundaries about how we might share. Yes, we want to share Jesus with you, but don't even think about changing the music or questioning the way we do things or getting too comfortable until we're happy with you being here. I think that playroom sharing Jesus raises insecurities, expectations and fears that can leave us all feeling a bit, as the wise man once said, rubbish. And for me, that means there has to be another way. There has to be a deeper truth. And I wonder this morning if it might be this, that we don't have to share Jesus because he is ours. We get to share in Jesus because we are all his. And this is not a new idea. Uh, This is not some bold new strategy or the intro to my new book and online course. I know this isn't new because it actually came up when Jesus was here. It's in the Bible. If you turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 49, it says this. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. Now let's go back a tiny bit in the passage because you'll notice it says John answered. And that means uh, there was a question. What did he answer? Why did John answer? And we find that in verses 46 to 48. They help us understand a little bit more about where this passage fits. An argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, aware of their inner thoughts, took a little child and put it by his side and said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For the least among all of you is the greatest. Here the disciples are arguing about who among them is the greatest. Among them. They're the chosen ones. They're team Jesus. But Jesus isn't here for competitions about who is the greatest or who gets the best seat or who has the best stats or downloads or likes or comments. Jesus isn't here for that nonsense. And so he points out a child, a person in that time of of little to no importance. And he says, whoever welcomes someone like this welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes God for the least is the greatest. It's so awkward The disciples are all arguing about who is the greatest and who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is like, in this argument, even being here puts you as far away from greatness as you can actually be because greatness isn't the goal. And then John replies. Now, we can't be sure or know what his motives were, but I have a hunch. And I think it's fair to say that he may have been trying to do some damage control here. The disciples look like a right pack of numpties in this moment. And and John is going to try and make up for it. He's going to try and and soothe things. You know, you can sort of imagine them. Lads, don't you worry. I've got this. I'll make things better. We've all been there, right? We've said or done something embarrassing. We've made a mistake or just said something daft. And rather than kind of sit with it, we double down and try to make it better. And that's what I think uh, John is up to in this moment. And so he tells this story of them seeing someone casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And they step in to try and stop them. Why? Well, because he isn't part of their group. Jesus is theirs. They're the only people who get to do that in his name. They're the only people who get to do the great stuff under his banner. They're the ones driving out demons, healing the sick, feeding the crowds, being part of the miracles. They're the Jesus people. And so if people are going to hear about Jesus, it better be from them. They're Jesus their terms, their sharing. I think the disciples are stuck in playroom sharing. And so when we recognize this in the disciples, that makes the response from Jesus hugely important. 
because it means that he is not only speaking to them in that specific time, place and context, but we can also hear those words to us who might be stuck in playroom sharing right now. And this tiny interaction of just a few verses, I think is so crucial to our understanding of sharing Jesus. Because you see, I think how Jesus responds in this moment tells us so much about who he is and how we are supposed to be. And I think if Christians truly, truly got to grips with those words, truly understood the significance of these few words, then church could look dramatically different. I think history could look dramatically different. I think the world would look dramatically different. Because Jesus says, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. And this is huge. Jesus isn't in their playroom. Jesus isn't theirs alone. Jesus isn't owned by anyone. The disciples don't get to choose who shares Jesus because they don't own Jesus. They don't get to decide who acts in his name because his name is the name above all names. And that's why it's too great to be held by 12 guys arguing about who is the greatest. And it means it's still way too great in 2020 to be held by countless churches, ministries and denominations all seeking to be the greatest. Jesus isn't trapped in our playroom. Jesus isn't our toy to share on our terms. We don't have to share Jesus because he is ours. We get to share in him because we are all his. And I wonder if the call on us as followers of Jesus is to recognize that our mission, our goal, isn't to be great playroom sharers, but to find ourselves engaging in way more playground sharing. Recognizing that Jesus isn't owned by anyone, but is shared by everyone. Recognizing that there is no invitation needed. Recognizing that the gates are open and everyone is invited to play. Jesus, in these few words, challenges their behavior, challenges their strategy, challenges their thinking and gives them a new way of being his followers. To step into the world not looking for division, us and them, in and out. To stop labeling people, places, ideas, sections of society as somehow against and to start recognizing that they are often so much for us. Jesus invites them away from their playroom of ownership and control and into a playground where all are invited to share in him. And I think that's where we're being invited this morning too. Now, if you've heard me speak before, you know I, I love the idea, the theory, the conversation. But I think today, perhaps more than many other messages I've certainly shared, this calls for some outworking. And so I've got three shifts, three areas that this idea causes me to rethink. And look, as always, my list is not exhaustive, nor is it definitive. The best sermons I've ever heard aren't the ones that finished and I went, awesome, I agree with everything that was said and will immediately do everything I was told. They're, they're the message that challenged me in my thinking. They're the ones I remember. They push me in my understanding. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, or this week to think about the questions or comments that this message brings out in you. You could maybe share them in your life group or go for a walk with someone and chat them through. Or you can comment below uh, in the comments, but with the caveat that social media isn't always the best place for a nuanced or balanced conversation. I find those happen better over coffee than my keyboard. But whatever you do, please don't just take my word for it. But these are three shifts I think we can make to move from playroom to playground when it comes to sharing Jesus. The first is this, 
I think we have to break out of our confines. I think that moving from playroom to playground sharing requires us to rethink the way we do things. Now look, I've tried to make it really clear this morning, I don't want you to get my message twisted today. This is not to say that the way things have been done or the way things are done are wrong. But if we're going to embrace the idea that Jesus isn't our thing to share where we see fit and how we see fit and with who we see fit, then it follows that it will require us to look at where, how and with who we share Jesus. And let's look at where. For, for too long, we have made our church buildings the centre of our sharing Jesus. We put on an event, a special Sunday, a concert, a meal, a course, anything we can invite people to. We get baptised or, or we dedicate our kids and hope that by being in the building, our family and friends who don't declare faith will somehow see the light and that will work. And look, it, it has worked. Some of you watching this came to faith because someone invited you to Cafe Church or Alpha or to a dedication. I'll say it again. I am not saying that this stuff doesn't work. But here's my question. How many people aren't following Jesus because the concert didn't do it for them? Or the course felt like too much pressure? Or the service was just a bit weird? Or how many people aren't following Jesus because there's just no way they're ever stepping into a church again after what happened to them? Or what that person said to them? Or how that church treated their mum, sister, friend, brother, wife? When we move from playroom sharing to playground sharing, we have to recognise that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We have to recognise that Jesus is alive and at work in his world. And we have the wonderful privilege of being awake to that and alert to that. And so we have a heads up and a head start when it comes to finding and pointing him out in his world. But Jesus is not trapped in our playroom. He is playing in his world and he invites us to find him and join him and see others join him too. Friends, this moment in history, as perhaps more than anything in my lifetime, showing me how much I love and appreciate the gathered community of church. But it has also affirmed for me how important it is that we recognise that when a time and place become central to our faith, the institution is in grave danger of becoming an idol. The creativity we have witnessed over these past six months cannot become a blip on our historical radar, but rather should become the catalyst for a creative revolution among the followers of Jesus that discovers Jesus in our homes, our streets, our communities, at the school gates, in the queue for a coffee and in the care home for the elderly. Friends, let's not wish this moment to be over, but instead use it as a catalyst to even more creativity. The second thing is this. I think we have to be about eliminating competition. Now, for the disciples, they couldn't cope with the idea that someone else was out there doing what they thought only they could do. And I think this is a trap we can so often fall into. I want to encourage you that we have no need to compete with our brothers and sisters in Christ when it comes to sharing Jesus. If street evangelism, handing out Bibles, megaphones, outdoor concerts, school tours, brass bands, stopping strangers is how it works for you, then please by all means continue. But let's not fall into the trap of thinking we are the only people doing it right. That is playroom sharing and Jesus wants none of it. Remember that, that story in Luke, it starts with an argument about who is the greatest follower of Jesus. And Jesus just blows it out of the water. We've got to stop this notion that the way we do things is the way to do things. And let me go one step further. 
I think we need to start to recognise that some of the most Christ-like behaviour and impact on the world is happening outside of any individual or group that claims Christ. Men, women, boys and girls, businesses, community groups, charities and other faith communities. They're showing love, they're building lives, they're defending the orphan and widow, they're welcoming the refugee and they are standing against injustice. We need to start to recognise that where these central facets of the mission of Jesus are being lived out, there we can find and point out Jesus. And there we get to join in. We get to share Jesus in those places. For too long, the church has behaved like Jesus only appears under certain circumstances. Like the 80s movie Beetlejuice or a primary school Santa. That Jesus will only show up if we say his name the right number of times or at the right volume. That's the playroom. But I believe that Jesus is alive and at work in the world, whether he gets a name check or not. I don't believe that Jesus is waiting in the wings for someone to call upon him for his mission to begin. I think Jesus is actively seeking justice, freedom, salvation and peace and we get to share in his mission. But right now it sometimes feels like while the church is hanging around deciding whether or not we want the world to be fairer, kinder, cleaner and more equal, a lot of other people have figured out that it's meant to be that way and are just getting on with it. And I think that Jesus is working among them whether he gets the credit or not. And if that's true, and look, I realise for some of you this morning, that's perhaps a difficult idea to embrace. But if it's true, then we have an incredible opportunity to stop worrying about who is the greatest, who is for us and against us, and instead jump on board and start to bring the kingdom to earth right now. We get to enter the playground and join in as we share Jesus. And finally, I think an important shift that might have to take place is that we begin to value the conversation more than ever before. Friends, for too long, we in the church have been obsessed with converting people, getting them to say the right prayer with all the right words in just the right order so that we can welcome them into the family and on their way to heaven. But Jesus didn't ask us to stack up converts. He told us to make disciples. And not only that, he showed us what it looked like, meeting people where they were, valuing them because of, of who they were, not what they could do for his spiritual scorecard and not being obsessed about what they were doing. He took real time with people. He embraced those others rejected. He told ambitious tax collectors to stop climbing and invited forgotten fishermen to follow in his footsteps. He called out the faith of Roman oppressors and sent away religious mobs when their wrath got the better of them. When we're trapped in the playroom, Jesus is all ours and only we can convince others to follow him. But when we're in the playground, we have to listen. We have to find out what's going on, where people are, what they already know or don't know, what they think or what they've heard. We have to be open to tough questions because we don't get to decide what questions people should be asking. We don't have to guide the conversation to a moment of decision because being fully present in the conversation is a precious decision to make. Friends, we have so much to learn but we will never learn it if we are convinced that we are the ones with all the answers. It's why my six-year-old teaches me about Jesus. It's why my friends of other faiths teach me about Jesus. It's why my friends of no faith teach me about Jesus. It's why art stirs my soul even when it's not about Jesus. It's why music speaks to my heart even when it's not about Jesus. It's why books challenge my faith even when they're not about Jesus. Because the playground 
always beats the playroom. And so this morning, I want to encourage us, wherever we are, maybe you're stuck in the playroom, confined to strategies and three-point plans. Maybe you're paralysed by the pressure of having to convert your neighbour, frozen in fear at the prospect of getting it wrong. Or maybe you've written yourself off as a sharer of Jesus because it's always felt uncomfortable or too laden with agenda. This morning, I want to invite us to enter the playground, to free ourselves from the confines of plans and tactics, programmes and agendas, and to discover the presence of Christ in the world. To free ourselves from the competition of having to be the ones who do the sharing, to see ourselves in those disciples who thought they held the keys when Jesus just won't be locked up, and to hear the voice of Jesus encourage us to look for the four and not the against, to free ourselves from the pressure of conversion and to embrace the beauty of the conversation, back and forth, giving and receiving, listening and learning from those we share with. Sharing doesn't have to be rubbish, but if we hold on to the idea that Jesus is ours to share, then we will miss the opportunity. So will you step out of the playroom this morning and step into the wide and open playground to share in Jesus and in the world he so dearly loves. Wow, Matt, what an incredibly inspiring and challenging message. Thank you for who you are to us here at Skylark Church and further afield to the wider kingdom and to this world. We're just so grateful to you. Thank you for all that you do and for all that you are. Why don't we spend some time now in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you decided to share your greatest gift with us. You decided to show us how much you love us by sending us your only son, your beautiful Jesus, that we may experience life because of his death and resurrection on that cross. And so, Lord, we pray right now that you would just help our hearts, Lord, to where we want to scramble things in for ourselves and hold things tightly. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help us to see where we need to live with open hands and open hearts, where we need to abandon our agendas, where we need to push away those kind of procedures and the things that we have in place. Heavenly Father, would you help us as we continue to navigate each day, Lord, would you help us to be playground members? Would you help us to be those sharing Jesus freely, sharing this good news, sharing this gift of incredible life that we have all received? So, Lord, would you help us in that? Would you help us not to be childish in our attitudes? But, Heavenly Father, would you help us to be generous and open-handed and open-hearted in our pursuit of you, Jesus, but also in the sharing of who he is, of what his goodness brings into our life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all we've got time for this week. And so we will look forward to seeing you again next week at Skylark Church's Sunday Online. Thanks so much for joining us. You are loved. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye.